the question I have is what in you at that young age said, there's no real clear path. So a lot of kids, have, as I've watched, someone who didn't go to college, I watched friends go in, very smart people, and they're doing very well now, but they went in with this like half-assed degree, right? There was no clear direction, which to your point is, is really a waste of money, unless yeah. you're going after a really specific thing. What in you like, helped you understand that so young? I don't know. Uh, I, I think probably because I was introduced to that world of you know, the internet and technology and how there were opportunities out there. And I guess I was just confident in being able to carve something out for myself. It was just like a self-belief that I'm like, if you compare the two paths, like I feel like I'll probably end up at worst at the same point in 10 years. But with this path, there's really no ceiling. I mm -hmm. won't feel guilted after getting a degree and spending, you know, $152,000 on a degree. I won't feel guilted to stay in that field or in that job it's not fulfilling me because I don't have all that Debt. financial skin in the game. So I knew that at the least I would, I would be able to um, have comparable success, but the idea of there being no ceiling was way more attractive. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not gonna be 100% in, I'm not gonna do it. Come on, man, just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Ev, cheers. Cheers. The infamous Ev. How many people do you think actually understand you've been behind this entire podcast? You do a good job of shouting me out, so probably more than, more than we realize. I saw somebody at the gym the other day, actually, and he was wearing a fireside hoodie. I texted you who it was. I don't remember. But I went up to him because I had my water bottle with the fireside sticker on it, and I pointed to it. He's like, oh, yeah, like, what's your name? I was like, Evan. He's like, oh, it's you. I'm like, oh, cool. The man hiding in the shadows. I'm really excited to have you on. Um, one of the biggest things that we talk about on every episode, as you know, is people turning around and giving back. And all you have done is give. You've given to me, you've given to everybody in our circle of friends, AJ who just left from Thrive, Trevor, you know, everybody inside the pit that you've worked with, Bill Dorr, Hatteras, tons of people who have walked through these, you know, gates back here. Um, you're somebody that I really appreciate having inside my inner circle. And you're obviously the person I wanna have here on Fireside. There's a lot of people who can learn from you. Um, I think videography, uh, videographers is a scarce, um, I guess you would call it a, a scarce skill. Yeah, Fashion. skill set that's not out there much. And the ones that are good at it can make a lot of money. And you have really carved your own path. Again, you represent everything fireside and bodies. And I'm really happy to have you and finally get you to show up and do this. So I'm proud of you. Cheers. Put it off for 70 episodes, 71 episodes. It's all right. When, when did you think your time was? Big hundred. <laughs> big hundred, yeah. Go a hundred in? Yeah. I couldn't let you. No, we'll have someone big for that. I think you said to me, was it probably like six weeks ago? Seven weeks, I forget where we were. You're like, oh, I said July 4th. I said the July 4th special. Yeah, yeah. you did. You say, I'm ready. Speaking of July 4th, like, what's going on right now? A ton of fireworks in the background. It's America. Cameras, or that's gunshots. World War III. We're ready. I'm ready. We're war mode. I got land and ammo. So, 
obviously you know how this goes. We like to chronologically walk through people's lives. There's certain things that, as friends, I've discovered about you I want to highlight throughout the show, but really it's always free-flowing. I have yeah. no predetermined questions. I want it to be a conversation just like everybody else is, no matter how well we know each other. So, young guy, grew up in Jackson, played lacrosse, wrestled. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about your career of uh, school. Yeah, grew up in Jackson with the Jackson Memorial, graduated 2013. Um, we were a big sports family for sure. Probably more, definitely more known for lacrosse. I'm the youngest of three, so I've got two older brothers. Um, better at lacrosse, but loved wrestling. That's kind of like, that's really a big foundation of how we kind of approach everything, I would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my parents were athletic. My dad was a, a good wrestler growing up, so sports were big for us. It was, uh, it was good. It was fun. And that's what really kind of kept you moving in high school. You know, you were excited to be on the wrestling team, excited to play lacrosse. Yeah, yeah. Yep, totally. So get through high school. How were your grades? I was a solid student. Solid? Yeah. I was, I was an A-B student. A-B student. That's solid. That's pretty good. I was a pretty, pretty good, good test good. taker sometimes. Yeah. Then you get into college, right? Where'd you go? Kind of. So towards, towards the end of high school, I... I guess like my, my parents had put both of my brothers through college and I was kind of, I wasn't like too thrilled about any like set career path like laid out for me at the time, was able to kind of recognize how expensive college was getting to um, and just kind of started opening up my horizons a little bit, probably like junior in the senior year, had a couple friends actually who were like the only kids in the school who were into like computer science and co- uh, you know programming and coding different things, and uh, I did like a couple online boot camps that they introduced me to. Never really like stuck with it, but that was a big like mental shift for me because programming. And I mean, we just had Mike Zussman on last week talking with him. I mean, it's programming is it's a very logical. Um, skill. It's all logic based. It all makes sense when you boil it down to the, the binary code of ones and zeros. And it really did like kind of change the way that I thought about things. Why? Um, I guess because I was never like a, I was never great at math. I never loved math, but this just like kind of made, it just made sense. And I know that math is obviously very logical too. Um, but it was coinciding around the same time. This is like 2011 to 2013 when there was a lot of like apps being built. Um, so like Instagram was hot in the streets, you know, Twitter was really popping off in like 2010, 2011, Airbnb, Uber. So like everybody was building all these apps. Everybody had an app idea. Everybody Everybody thought of, everybody thought of Uber. Everybody had the idea of Uber first. And, um, I, I never really grew up around like business owners. Um, none of my friends, like parents were, were entrepreneurs or anything like that. So at the time, um, like entrepreneurship was just like, oh, you got to either invent something and get on Shark Tank or you have to build the next Facebook. So it just seems like very out of touch, yeah. out, of, out of like the realistic um, possibilities. But it just got my wheels spinning to just start learning about what's out there. Obviously, this is like a whole new territory, the digital space. Um, and there was a ton of leverage built into it. So I knew that I wasn't going to be building apps and stuff, but I could probably find a way in the digital space somehow. Um, so I just kind of went all in on learning first about business and 
the foundation, like the fundamentals of that, and then just furthered my learning about how to leverage all of the available leverage that's out there with technology. So before we get too ahead with that, back to the college thing, did you ever go away to school? Because I remember there was a time where you wrote your parents a letter, and that's really what I want to get to. Was that that was summer summer after senior year, or that was? Um, so I did one year at Brookdale, and I was ready to be done after that. I was really ready to be done after high school, to be honest. I was kind of like, if if I'm not gonna get scholarship money to play lacrosse, then like I'm not gonna put myself or my parents in the position where we have to pay for multiple six figures at college. So, um, was kind of like, all right, I'll give it a year. It's you know, kind of a low barrier. It's cheaper to go the community college route. Brookdale is a, a good enough you know county college for sure. So I went there because um, I didn't get a scholarship for lacrosse. So went there and I was really ready to be done after that. But then Ocean County College started a lacrosse program. They were going to be a first year JUCO team. My high school coach was going to be the head coach, and my brother, my oldest brother Nick, was going to be the assistant coach. They were like, hey, can you come help us build this program for a year? And if you crush it here, you know, this could very well be a pipeline into, you know, Division Two, Division Three, even maybe Division One schools if you perform really well. So I'm like, all right, what's one more year? Get an associates. So we just get a bunch of ragtag kids, just scrappy kids from Ocean County together, and we had a small, small team. We're actually looking, like, pretty good. Uh, first game of the year comes around. They do the face-off run down the field, I take it behind the goal, pass it up, get an assist. I'm like, I'm gonna have 100 points this year, 300 points this year, I'm going D1. Next play, they take the face off, they come down the field, same thing, I take it behind the goal and I dodge, I'm going towards the goal, and I plant my foot, completely tear my hamstring in half in, within like the first two minutes of the season. So I'm like, all right, well, there goes that. And immediately I'm thinking like, well, this is a waste. The only reason why I'm really here is to like play sports, help build this program, and then you know maybe just use this as a vehicle to get to another level of of athletics. Because again, I wasn't really pumped on any one avenue that college had laid out for me in terms of degrees. So uh, that kind of solidified things. With that, now that new time that I kind of got back from not having to be all in on you know workouts and practice, I just started kept learning more. The question I have is what in you at that young age said, there's no real clear path. So a lot of kids, have, as I've watched someone who didn't go to college, I watched friends go in, very smart people, and they're doing very well now, but they went in with this like half-ass degree, right? There was no clear direction, which to your point is, is really a waste of money, unless yep. you're going after a really specific thing. What in you, like, helped you understand that so young? I don't know. Uh, I, I think probably because I was introduced to that world of, you know, the Internet and technology and how there were opportunities out there. And I guess I was just confident in being able to carve something out for myself. It was just like a self-belief that I'm like, if you compare the two paths, like, I feel like I'll probably end up at worst at the same point in 10 years. But with this path, there's really no ceiling. I won't mm. feel guilted after getting a degree and spending, you know, $152,000 on a degree. I won't feel guilted to stay in that field or in that job if it's not fulfilling me because I don't have all that, that. financial skin in the game. So 
I knew that at the least I would I would be able to um, have comparable success, but the idea of there being no ceiling was way more attractive. Always, and it should be for everybody. And that's yeah. a great nugget. So back to the note that you wrote to your parents, they shared it with me, you know, um, I think it was Trevor's was podcast episode. actually. Yeah. They're here for your birthday. And afterwards they talked about that letter you wrote to them. When did that transpire? That was just like, that was like the last paper that I had to write the second year of college. I forget like what the I forget what the um well like the the writing prompt was, but basically just like at the end. I I like kind of like in a roundabout way brought it back to I forget exactly how I did. I'll find it, but basically I just wrote in my paper and I just like kind of like jokingly kind of gave it to them. I was like, yeah, can you guys like proofread this? And at the end they saw like, you know, that I didn't have any plans to transfer out or visit any more schools, anything like that. And I remember I went to class to submit it. And by the time I got back, they had read it and they were like, cool, do it, go for it. That's awesome. Yeah, they're all about. They're supportive. So now you're how old? Uh, 20. 20 years old. You like the digital space. You don't know what direction you want to go. How did you end up in the real estate space? Through a family friend, or actually like a, yeah, kind of like a distant relative even. Um, he was a, a top producer up in like the Middletown Red Bank area. Had met him at a couple family parties. And um, people in my family knew that I was looking to basically just like find a mentor and work with somebody. They were like, oh, this is a perfect guy for you to do that with. So basically approached him and I was like, listen, I'd love to learn from you. I don't really have any aspirations of being a realtor, but in kind of scoping out the landscape of different careers, I realized that realtors were very well connected. They did kind of have a, in a way, a helicopter view over things. They were working with so many different businesses because, I mean, the first they're, thing they They're did, entrepreneurs. They're, they're all individual business owners. Yeah, they are, they are for sure. And also, like, if you're representing a buyer, like when somebody buys a house, one of the first things that they do is they want to make renovations or do any kind of work. So I was like, this is a cool kind of discovery zone for me to be in where I can not only meet a lot of businesses being in this space, but also we were cranking out a ton of volume. We were doing, like, there's three of us. It was him, it was me, and then we had a transaction coordinator. And we were doing, like, $45 million a year in transactions. It's like a 100 lot. houses. Yeah, it's a lot. I was running myself into the ground. Um, but also meeting with the homeowners up in those wealthy areas, the Red Bank, Rumson, Coltsneck, Homedale, and I'm picking their brain. I'm like, you know, within reason, without being too nosy, yeah. finding out what they do and what their paths were, and you go about it the right way. People are very willing to share, you know, their story and any little nuggets. I think most people want to. You know, it's just like... If you stroke their ego a little bit, you're like, you got a great house. Well, that's what it is. Like, they want to teach somebody else. I want to teach somebody else. That's why I'm doing the pit. It, it feels good. It's fulfilling. And uh, most people, human nature is, you know, they want to talk about themselves. So you start learning the real estate business. You kind of fell into a niche of the marketing side of it. Talk about that and what you were doing for Chris at the time. Yeah, so it was Chris Walsh. Um, he, so I started just as, like, his assistant. And I came to him in the beginning, and I said, you don't have to pay me anything. I'm still living at my parents' house. Once I prove myself to you, pay me what you think I'm worth. I've got time. I've got no overhead. Um, 
so I started just doing like basic assistant stuff. I was out in the field meeting with inspectors, meeting with contractors and stuff like that. I was basically just a 2.0 version of him, boots on the ground that he could send out. And then slowly kind of started to pile on other like marketing related tasks uh, to the point where I, towards the end, I, I never stopped doing the assistant stuff, but now I had all these, you know, marketing duties that I was doing. Um, was, you, you were wearing a lot of hats, but you learned a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A ton. What attracted you to the camera, right? Because you were helping him as an assistant. You were seeing the numbers this guy was doing, which 45 million is a lot. He was probably living a great lifestyle. Yeah. Again, that still wasn't attractive to you to be like a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you pick up the camera? I didn't pick up the camera until after even being in real estate. I was doing other stuff. I was doing social media, social media, graphic design, stuff with the websites, copywriting, like some newsletters. It was just a crash course on a lot of things. And I was just saying yes to absolutely everything. So I didn't pick up the camera until uh, not long before we met. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's when I met you. you. You did start to do some videos. You were going out and working with a couple agents inside of Chris's firm. Yeah. And you started to do, you know, the videos of a new listing. Um, yeah, I mean, look at That was how many years ago now? 29, so. Four years ago? Yeah, it was like mid 2019 that I left. And then within a couple months, no, actually within like two weeks, like a bunch of people hit me up and they were like, hey, you know, we heard you're not up here in Middletown anymore. Could you help us out with some things? And before I knew it, within like a month, I was planning on taking a little bit of time off. But before I knew it, I had like five businesses that I was working with. I was like, oh shit, I have to start an LLC. I have a business. Again, what were you doing with them? Uh, graphic design, social media. I was running ads, um, newsletters, just everything. Anything yeah. that they needed help. Mailers. With. Consulting, just like basic consulting for like some real estate teams. So young guy, start an LLC. A lot of people think that's like a extremely difficult thing to do. No. You just got to make sure that nobody else has that name. Pretty much. There's a directory for that. You can go right on irs.gov. It's like getting registered as a wedding officiant. Hey, and you are. You Anybody needs too. a wedding guy. He's pretty good. Well-spoken. So at what point from your perspective did we meet? We got connected because you were looking for graphics. Don Hughes connected us. And um, we were just doing a bunch of different like infographics that you could put out on social media. This is before like this is before TikTok, this mm-hmm. is before Instagram really went heavy into like the video space. So we we're still doing graphics and photos and stuff. And uh, I was trying to do it for finance. For finance, yeah. Yeah. And I was very restricted. It sucked. There was so compliance. many, so many like disclaimers that you had to put on, um, and it would just like totally throw off the design. They had to change so many things. Still, some of those graphics today have made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Seriously, um, we actually joked about it probably a few months ago. We were like, we should probably update those, but yeah, they're still working. Yeah, and uh, that was my introduction to you. And uh, what I quickly identified was. Uh, you were kind of quirky in a good way. You were smart. You had a different eye that others maybe didn't see. I'm sure Chris did. Mm. Um, Don Hughes, you know, shout out to Don. He did introduce us, so he saw something as well. 
And uh, again, video just had started. And I said to you, I want to start this local mentorship program. Yeah. And uh, I just knew you had something. We were both kind of terrible with video, if we're, if we're being honest. Look at honest. episode one, it sucks. <laughs> Even before that, Even you know, Trevor's... Yeah, local mentorship. Matt, can I have a spin drift? I'm sorry, I'm choking on a cigar. Trevor's first, or whoever we were doing it with, maybe Zoom with Paul from Bubba Coos. Yeah. Um, we were in the bar area, not really knowing. And at the time, we're back. It's so funny how everything goes full circle because now we're doing the vlog and everything's going back to kind of horizontal. Yeah, and more coaching. But we were, we were going into the Instagram world and saying, hey, we want to create a, a footprint out here yeah. in the uh, metaverse. Yeah. But everything was starting to turn into reels. But yeah. we were shooting horizontal. Yep. So if you go back, actually, anybody wants to look at the Instagram, <clears throat> the original videos of local mentorship was horizontal. But we had the right thought process in mind. Yeah. What were you thinking at that time when we kind of connected now? Because now you have people, you're still helping with graphics, just listed, just sold. You're kind of becoming tired of that mundane yeah. marketing you know, wheel, I should say. Yeah. Thank you, Manny. Well, I mean, getting introduced to you, uh, you were a buzzsaw. You, you, had, you were the most well-connected person that I knew. And I knew I'm that- still a buzzsaw. Still a buzzsaw. Um, I knew that you had very, you, have, you had a very different brain than most people. Um, and- How did you see that? I was just being around you. Just, you were just always going. But like what, but like always going, but- Always going with new ideas. There's a lot of people always going. What, what made you say that, I'm gonna put my bet on this horse, this guy's looking to do something that's outside the box. Maybe you didn't see it as, as big as we have grown this together, but. It's hard to remember going back that far, but it was just, I don't know, it was just, it was just obvious. It was just pretty obvious that you weren't kind of on like the same, you weren't as content as other people. It doesn't mean that you weren't content like in life, but you just always wanted more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And you all, a big thing was you were trying to give back when other people weren't. Mm -hmm. um, that was the biggest thing like with local, local mentorship, mentorship for sure. And at, around that time, it's funny because that's when I had first started coming over here and sitting around the fire pit. And I like roughly had an idea to do something similar to Fireside for myself I'm like yeah I'll interview business owners and talk about marketing and corny shit but then being around you very quickly I was like oh no this is all him he is the perfect guy for this he's got all the connections he can have high level conversations he's got the set like he's got the gift of gab like he's the perfect host for this I'm not an on camera guy maybe I will be in the future a little bit more but definitely at the time I'm like this is all him this is perfect mm -hmm. and uh it you was just natural you started to get really into the video settings the cameras for those of you who don't know these things are extremely expensive um i've been trying to vlog with like a little sony like zeiss if i'm pronouncing that zess whatever yeah. it is and it's got all these settings and this like fuck that i'm using the iphone things too complex and that's actually a, a pretty simple camera yeah um so you start to play with these functions you say ryan Let's just bullshit in your backyard with guys you know about business. We're doing that at your kid's birthday party. We're doing it at your Memorial Day party. You know, why not just throw on a camera, have a cigar, and have a bourbon? Yeah. And I was like, that's easy. easy. Ev. Easy. Doing it anyway. Are you sure I'm allowed to do this? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And it was a, it was, 
a big, uh, probably a bigger thing was it was a different marketing channel to feed back into. It was a way to give back, but it was also a different marketing channel to feed back into the finance side yeah. of things, and it wasn't as, you know, I don't know how much you could say with compliance, but like it, it wasn't as just like here's a graphic. No, that's wrong. This is more of a free flowing conversation. Uh, you can kind it of was an end around. It was an end around to still feed my ecosystem, which is finance, which is still my main dri driver, and that was something that we were looking to do. That was your marketing strategy for me. Was yeah. was hey, is this possible for us to kind of get around all these regulations and laws due to your registration you know, yeah. with Finra? And uh, we kind of ran with it. Our first episode was AJ. AJ just left, and. Uh, we set up. We didn't even have lights, I don't think. Yeah. Did we have lights? I don't know. I don't know. We didn't have a sign. We were just back here in the yard uh, having some drink. AJ got wasted. I was pretty drunk. Destroyed. Yeah. And uh, we just shot the shit. And I think there was like, within the first week, there was like 600 views or something. Yeah. And, uh, I knew we had something. Yeah. Everybody who has ever started a podcast, I've heard this across all different, you know, charlatans in the coaching space and podcast space. You know, they started with five views, which was mainly their family and like one best friend or, you know, 10 friends. We quickly had 500 people, probably locally, that viewed this podcast. So we were like, hey, you know, we're on to something. Perfect. Yeah. What, what were you thinking at that point? Like, I need to learn more video. And, and I know you're always a student of your craft. What yeah. most people probably don't realize with you, it's, it's Google, you're learning the cameras, you're picking the brains or watching or observing other people in the digital space. We talk about Brandon, Rob Bailey's uh, videographer. Beast. Um, you've been watching that guy for a long time. You mentioned these people to me, I'm like, I don't know who they are. Yeah, BC Visions. Yeah, and, and you, you were watching that stuff. What were you thinking? What was, at your time, the thought process of where you wanted to take your business, Shapeshifters? Uh... Or we were just like, hey, let's try this. Let's see yeah, where it goes. Yeah, it was pretty much just let's try this. Because you still my, had real estate agents you were dealing with. You were still doing graphics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still had the business going, but this was, I knew that there was something here. Um, and I, I didn't know what this would morph into, and it's morphed into so many different things, which is awesome. But I, I in the beginning, for sure, felt like as long as this is feeding, you know, the finance side of things, then kind of like my job is done. Well, then it quickly morphed into like, there's, there's a bigger why behind it was this. Pretty quick. It was pretty quickly that we both got like, what are we doing here? Yeah. It was like, should we set up a infrastructure? And you got people in your ear. And I was like, nah, like, we're three episodes in. Let's relax. Let's see if this thing sticks. Yeah. And uh, then I was like, oh, my God. Like, what's everybody going to judge us on? Who am I to host this podcast of all these business owners? Yeah. Um, which is a really cool nugget that I think most young business owners should actually understand. I think there's four main things that I've started to hone in on. And uh, the first one is action. Uh, you don't have to have a whole entire plan laid out. Um, the second one is, is major focus. Uh, I lacked focus my entire life. If in my early 20s, I was doing pretty well. I hit six, six figures pretty quick, but I was fucking off golf, drinking, happy hours, dinners, um, no real focus. And then if, if you can, you know, sacrifice a little bit, not worried about chasing that next thing that looks looks good on online and then discomfort and uh, I think you and I were in a discomfort zone at that point of going like where's this gonna go and yeah. I and I remember thinking to myself like I kind of say whatever I want and 
they were putting people like me in jail for saying things on social media. Yeah. You know, what were you really thinking at that point now, 10 episodes in? 10 episodes in, I, I knew that we had something. And I also wasn't going to get hung up on the views. Because even still, don't... Even still, we don't get hung up on the views because there's so much... There's so many powerful things going on behind the scenes that aren't, you know... It's hard to put a visual to obvious it. obvious through the yeah. views. Taking a quick break in the podcast, I want to talk about the Pit 2.0. What is the Pit 2.0? It's made up of a huge network of people across all different industries that are solving problems, creating solutions, and also bringing together a lot of marketing and sales idea. If you want to get into a Pit group like this, it's very inexpensive, 147 a month. If you want to learn more about it, check out the links and the information below. So jumping back in, Let's get off Fireside, right? You were, you were a big part of creating that with me, and uh, I'll be forever grateful. We'll be, in my vision, and we talk about this at length, you know, you'll be a part of it forever, some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to dive deeper into, like, how you look at things, how you shoot things, you know, some of the things that you look at when it comes to you know, a Pete Riley and describing what he does with the young kids in the wrestling club, how you help pull Trevor out from this shy guy who didn't understand how good he was um, at what he was doing and mm-hmm. pull out the passion that he had for where he was going. Talk a little bit about how you're able to, because what I think is impressive that I'm sure other people observe is, in my opinion, you're very good at identifying the tonality of that person and what they are about and being able to spotlight the the great features of them. <laughs> I think it's just about being really honest. I think there's a lot of frauds on camera who they want to like kind of fake it until they make it. But I think the most effective thing that you could do when you're building a brand for either yourself or for your business is to just build honestly in public. Mm-hmm. So own exactly where you at in your journey and where you want to go. And if people see you start achieving those things, they're going to catch on. They're going to they're going to identify with it and they're going to like it. So, but from like a technical perspective, it's just a matter of just kind of having like a visual eye of knowing what's going to look good, telling the story, um, and then yeah, you know, also just like a little bit a little bit of psychology of just knowing what people are actually interested in consuming. You do have to like as much as it sucks, like you do have to just play into the algorithm mm-hmm. with a lot of things. Um, so there's little things like you got to make sure that you have good hooks and it has to be this length and you have to, you know, keep it engaging at this point. So And you got really good with graphics, too. We, we I, I saw that as you progressed in Fireside, you know, the real covers and, you know, the thumbnail for YouTube. You were getting very good at doing all that. Like, talk about having to understand all of these different verticals. It's not that you're coming and having an eye and setting up a camera and hooking up mics downloading that, working through Premiere, which is the editing software. Yeah. You also had to figure out, like... You understand the business, too, that you're The business with. side of it. Talk about your understanding or what you were learning along the way. That, yeah, that's just, a, um, that's just a, a curiosity, just wanting to learn. And I feel like that is what separates people um, like in this space is you got to know exactly who you're dealing with. you got to know what their struggles are on a business end of things, not just, you know, uh, on a creative side of things. You got to know, you got to be able to speak their language to a degree. So you got to educate yourself on who you're working with um, and just be a, just be intelligent. Like, honestly, it's, 
as intelligent as you can. I think curiosity is something that the most powerful men and women in the, the world have. I'm curious. That's why I'm able to talk to a business owner. Even knowing you all these years, I'm still engaged in this conversation to to peel back the layers of how Evan thinks. You've done way up. more learning after high school than you have in any years before that, right? Thousands. The Mark percent. Twain quote is like, never let school get in the way of your education. Mm -hmm. so like, I learned way more after school than I did during. The year that I left school, I read like 40 books. And I yeah. would just like learn all these different industries. That's a lot of books. What was your favorite book? Probably Not Fade Away um, by Peter Barton. He was a media mogul who was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And uh, it was just all about his, his mental shift. It was all about just his mental shift coming to terms with his, um, with his... Can we just like point out that Phil Rizzo's trying to sneak behind the camera? Phil, He's about like front. four feet wide and there's about a foot and a half space he's trying to squeeze through. Thanks, Cal. We need this quick break. There's a Mack truck coming. Did you see him trying to squeeze between that hole? There's a 0% chance of that. Listen, so for all the viewers that don't realize, we do have other friends and guests that show up usually. And uh, Phil had some cheesecake today, so he's a little bloated. It's a cheat day. It's a cheat day. It's Thursday. It's a cheat day. So, you know, your mindset was like, read, learn. Yeah. This is one of your favorite books. Give me like, give me your top three. Give me your top three. Uh, probably Not Fade Away by Peter Barton. Conquest of Happiness by Bertrand Russell. And... $100 Startup was a good one too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just all about startups that you can start with $100. Um, just bootstrapping your way, just grinding your way. That's a funny one that you point out. Don't you think that like most people who are thinking about getting into like entrepreneurship or, or business ownership, they read something like that and they're like, that's bullshit. Yeah. You can't start with $100. This is like, this but, is a marketing scheme. They just want to sell the book. But like entrepreneurship, business ownership, the American dream, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, and it really isn't, but for most Americans, it shouldn't be building the next Uber, building the next Facebook, building the next Airbnb, like going on Shark Tank and in inventing something. Like the American dream for most people is building John's Power Washing from 250000 to 500000 with a small team so that you can take home two hundred grand And have a nice home and a have fence a nice home, and a pool. You know, some, some time that you get back. Like, and it's way more accessible than people realize. It's, it doesn't, especially with, I mean, there's going to be a mass exodus of business owners over the next five to 20 years of all these boomers who are going to be retiring enter something like Freedom Acquisitions that's going to come in. A lot of these businesses, when, when these owners are ready to retire, most businesses, they just dissolve. They just sell off their hard assets. There's no off-ramp for these, these business owners to enter retirement with anything other than their savings. But with something like Freedom Acquisitions and these other brokers who are offering that off-ramp, it's not only giving those, you know, those business owners a way to set sail into retirement with some passive income through the sale of their business, but it's also a very approachable and accessible entry point for the next generation to get in through things like seller financing or any kind of creative financing and take over an existing business that already has operations in place. So like business ownership, the American dream, it's not starting something that's gonna to go to the moon. 
It's not VC-backed rounds of fundraising over and over again. Every startup nowadays is like 50 mil plus, 100 mil plus. Stupid. Silicon Valley, you know, it's, everybody thinks. But there's, a, you know, the small business owner who owns a secondary forklift company, you know, Craig Martin. He's a new guy joining the pit. Um, we've talked to him in the past. He sells forklifts. There's an older gentleman that he knows. Um, I don't want to say too much. You know, I, I was not going through any any type of process, but Fireside and you know people affiliated with it, like Nick, um, who can legally help with that stuff. I, as a registered rep, I can't do that right now. Yeah. Um, but we want to help take the young guy to your point and give him the opportunity and help the old guy secure what he worked hard to build up. Yeah, it's way more approachable than people really and that's realize. A, that's a ten million dollar business I'm referencing. Yeah. So if someone could get it at a million-dollar entry point because someone else is willing to put up that money and take a small piece of equity on the cap table or, you know, set up an interest rate that they want over a certain period of time, yeah. to your point, the older gentleman gets to go get some mailbox money yeah, for 10-plus exactly. years, and the young gun gets an opportunity. And I think that's what most people need to understand. Evan was in the mindset of, I don't need to be Google. I don't need to be a billionaire. I just want to make enough to be financially free, set up in my backyard like you had at home, a fire pit, some woods, a pool. you know. And I think that is the real American dream. And most people don't realize that our GDP is driven off of service. China, every other economic um, power in the world is trying to mimic what we have, and they just can't. And yeah. that's why our politicians were smart to say, hey, help everybody get a home in America. Yeah. And really, if you could do that and put some money away and take a vacation or two, that's real freedom. Now, for myself and you and others around us, we're never satisfied. Doesn't mean we're not trying to get papered over yeah. here. It's like, but, but you have that. If you, can, if you can have both things, if you can have the motivation to just want to have that financial freedom, but also be able to operate with a life mindset that you're going to be content even if you just have your basic needs met and your bills are comfortably paid for, that gives you the mental freedom to chase down really whatever you want because mm -hmm. you know that you can take it pretty close down to zero. Yeah, you know, you're going to be all right. Reason. You're going to be all right because you know that you're, you're, you, don't, you don't need a house in Hollywood yeah. Hills. You don't, it's like, no, that's not the American dream for most people. Most people are just trying to get out of the rat race. And most people that chase that, I'm not saying that some aren't happy, some aren't no. you know, accomplishing what they desire. But a lot of happy people in the Hamptons. Yeah, they definitely. Um, there's a lot of unhappy people too. And that financial freedom, being able to sit in your backyard and work from there or how you work, you're at your apartment in Asbury, you're floating around to the different business owners that we all deal with in our circle in the pit. Um, you live a pretty free life, man. Uh, yeah. It's totally dictated by you. Yeah, yeah. yeah Obviously cool. you have people to answer to that you work for and you wanna make sure that you give them and provide them the best service, which you do. Um, I don't know how you deal with me half the time. Thank God for Maddie and others who create a buffer. Yeah, people don't know that. I mean, to spin it back on you, people don't know that. I don't think many people butt heads more than me and you in the mm -hmm. beginning, for yeah. sure. But the levels that you've jumped, like the way that you've evolved as a person has been, it's been awesome. I all mean, of us, all you, of us you've for helped sure. with that. Yeah, um, but I mean, you had the subtlety of a hammer in the beginning, and you mm -hmm. still do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But just sometimes the, you need a hammer, sometimes you need a nail. That's right. You bring both. Yeah. But, Switch uh, it up. But no, that, that, was, that was just a credit to you, just the way that kind of we've all evolved. Well, you were one of the guys that challenged me early on and said, hey, Ryan, you know, are you trying to fight the guy at the coffee shop? And I'm like, eh, am I trying to fight the guy at the coffee shop? Maybe I am. 
Not physically, but you know. Yeah. Maybe he's a crazy lib and he's pulling his tit out and his kid's trying to suck milk out of it or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's weird. Maybe I shouldn't say something to him at the coffee shop. Or you're like 50 and you have a six-year-old standing up sucking your tit in Starbucks. And for the, you know, it happens, dude. In the name of feminism, you know, which is, you know, I think everybody should breastfeed as long as they desire. But, uh, you know, you were one of the people that said, hey, Ryan, like, you're, you have a great heart. You have a great mind, um, and I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. And it's a good yin yang. Yeah, seriously. And and I trust you. I mean, I talk to you about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Personally, with my business and the pit and fireside, and again, that that's going to continue to happen. Yeah. I want to shift it a little bit. No pun intended. Shape shifters. I want to talk about another idea that you have, and uh, kind of pull it out of you. I know most people don't know about this our friends in the circle have heard you talk about it mm. talk a little bit about your idea and what the concept kind of mimics and uh then we'll drill down on why i think it's a, a huge thing that's needed well so I, I mean i plan to launch it by the end of the year um but i turned down a lot of business because i don't have bandwidth for one but also i've never really wanted to build out a full agency the reason why a lot of businesses come to me is because I'm not a full agency. I could work pretty intimately with all of them and not really give them a watered-down version of me. So what I'm building is uh, it's called Blue Collar Creator and uh, hope to launch it by the end of the year. And that's basically just a way for me to take all of the, the value that I have and that I give in Shapeshifters, which I guess is technically an agency. It's just me. and I've got a, a remote team in the Philippines. Shout-out to all the boys. Um... But it's a way for me to give all of those, all that value and the trainings that I deploy into these businesses on a personal level, but bring it to the masses. So there's so much leverage. Just because I'm turning these businesses down, it doesn't mean that they're not deserving of this information. So um, you're going to be packaging a lot of these things that I'm doing with these businesses, offering it out to the masses, really, in a way that they can deploy it into their own. So whether you're a guy with a power washer and you know you don't really have anybody else on your team i want to be able to give you such a simplified you know product that's taking these complex ideas and skills that i'm doing and just condense it into a way that you can deploy it yourself because you need the marketing like w without a doubt like marketing is it's kind of the, the first step in a lot of things people don't know about you they can't discover you you can't render your services um all the way up to if you have a slightly bigger team and you want to delegate it among them. Hey, you know, you take over the graphic design, you take over the videography, you take over, you know, the copywriting, the email, all that. Um, delegate it among them. Or if you're already working with another freelancer or another agency, just pass it off to them. Say, listen, here's the blueprint. I want you to implement, you know, the blue collar creator template into our business. Um, it's going to be very accessible, like price wise to businesses. And I'm going to be pretty generous with it to just, you know, deploy this into our business, no matter who you are. Is there a component to it where, let's just say somebody's out in the middle of Kentucky, right? I have a guy out there right now I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with. And we're talking about a lot of these strategies that you and I have deployed and we continue to, to learn. Because it's always a, an adaptation, right? We're going to start taking the content that we built up on YouTube and doing some really unique different things with it than yeah. we have done in the past. It's a constant evolution. That guy in Kentucky may not like 
understand anything. No matter how much you simplify it, he's out paving. He's out driving the dump truck. He's yeah. out in the rock quarry. He's out raising cattle. Um, was there a component to Blue Collar Creator that was going to maybe help them with maybe some geofencing or something else inside of the system that helps them get linked up with maybe someone like you who will pull out the camera and help them do some editing for their social I, media? Yeah, so I would like to have a, a big pool of affiliates who will actually kind of be trained in what I do, basically. Um, who you can get them a cert. Right, pretty much, yeah. Gets them on the thing to get to get quotes or... Right, and uh, you know I like to have them scattered all over the country so that if these businesses can't take any of it on on their own, you know, there will be affiliates who are trained and can execute this for you. But, I mean, it, most agencies or most freelancers are skilled in these areas, but they just need some direction to put it in because a lot of these agencies... I, I challenge that. I don't think they are. Um, Rob Bailey said it again at the Men's Retreat. Uh, owner, another guy who was helping us out with some stuff, he, he does a great job too. But Rob was saying, you know, right to his face, most people actually don't have the creative side. You oh. could turn on a camera, right? But they don't yeah. actually know how to do what BC Vision is, is right? Yeah, BC, yeah, BC Vision and or what you do and maybe a couple of the great people out there of these guys like Keaton and Whalen and all these yeah. guys who are big influencers. There's really only a very small circle of creative minds who also know how to operate the camera. Yeah. So being able to have like a centric hub that can disperse these people who understand yeah. what you're putting out there, I think is extremely powerful. And every small business needs it. I don't care who you are. I've talked to Phil Vitillo about this. I make cabinets for healthcare companies, Jersey Mike's, you know, no one I know. Everybody's on fucking social media. Yeah. How many people went over the threads? How much, how much is it up to? Anybody know? Tens of millions. Tens of millions, way more than that. I think it's yeah. in the billions already. Yeah. No, like think about it, billions. So you're buying land online. So if you're a small business owner and you're not doing video, I think you're crazy. And this yeah. is something you can get in at a very... And it doesn't mean that you have to buy a, a $10,000 camera rig yep. like I have. Pull out your cell phone. Pull yep. your cell phone up. That's what we're doing. Show the you the right settings. You know, yeah. that's, that's it. It's, it's, it doesn't have... That's the thing. It's taking very otherwise complex topics and ideas and condensing them into what fits you where you're at. Because a lot of these people aren't doing anything. Hmm. And I forget how behind a lot of people are because this just isn't their space i mean yeah they never if, thought about it if matt baldwin was like hey come you know do plumbing with me i'd be like know what to do mm. and if i took him on a job with me he'd be like dude i don't know what to do mm. so it's it's meeting them kind of where they're at equipping them with the tools to get going but there's also another level to it where those agencies or those freelancers who it's being passed off to you know, say you are a Belmar Plumbing and you pass it off to the freelancer that you're working with right now. Matt, I don't know why you never called me. I don't know what he's doing. His beard's in the way of his brain. He's in South Carolina or something right now. He's chilling. But, uh... I um, distracted you. <laughs> yeah, you want to be able to provide it to companies like Belmar and also be able to connect it with somebody who can help and execute it. Right. You know? And that, that's what I was going to get, Matt. You know, there's no excuse if you have this blueprint... You know, it's going to be very... It's a discipline that needs to be done, again, in every business. If you're not doing it, I, I talked about a guy the other day. Um, you know, he called me up. He's down in Florida. You know, seems like a, a, a pretty successful guy. Talked to him really sharp, uh, very likable. I, I really like him. He's been following me for a couple of years. And I get on his Instagram, and it's just, like, terrible video. Like, 
dude, what are you doing? Like hire somebody that can give you a professional edit. Like if it wasn't for you, half the shit I say that wasn't edited would be like mispronounced. Yeah. I'd probably be saying some reckless shit that would have got me thrown off the internet already. Yeah. So like you should be working with somebody. You wouldn't like go try to fucking diagnose your own tumor. Right. Like this is something that. And it goes, be- it goes beyond video too. I mean, a lot, a lot of people, they see the video because that's what's in demand a lot. It's a lot of what I do, but there are a lot of other skills that are necessary to have a business. I mean, you need landing pages, you need a newsletter, yep. you need all these different touch points and all these other marketing verticals, which is, it, it's it's all part of the ecosystem. That's what I've liked to, to see in our relationship is I, I'm also and Trevor and others are like a test pilot for you. Yeah. You know, like the YouTube, like we've been just piling in content and now everybody around us, you know, smart creatives like Rob Bailey are like, yo, you have mad content. Mike Tanrich, another one. You have mad content. Like start scrubbing that mm. and breaking it down into some great keywords and, and work on the SEO. These are all things that you have literally done, mm-hmm. you're gonna have a, a legit track record, and then you're gonna be able to give this back to yeah. the country at a very low cost. And yeah. that's what I wanna skip to next is, is, is your heart and who you are as a person. Um, obviously you were raised as, as a Christian, um, you know, always taught to like give, care about others. I'm not saying that's you, you, you know, what you do now or what yeah. you're about. It's not about the religion side of it. Yeah. Um, but I've seen you continue to love on me, uh, others around you that are not easy to deal with and kind of like take the high road. Um, these people you hired over in the Philippines, um, you very much care about them. It's not just like, hey, I have this team of guys that are remote. Um, you know, you're talking about their family around the holidays and you're, I, I think, employing an entire family right now, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, husband, wife, brother-in-law, two friends. Yeah, and, and you talk to me a lot about um, how poor people are in the Philippines and the area where these people are, and they do an excellent job, and I appreciate it, especially shout-out to James. Yeah, I mean, James can be editing this episode. Yeah. yeah, James, we need to give you, like, some more gear. Like, we don't send you enough stuff. I know. Uh, what size is he? He's probably large. Large? He's tall. We got we to send, send you some gear, James. We're, we're getting on a, on a company workout plan, too. But you're, you go deeper. You go deeper into like who someone is, what they're about, and that's who you are. Talk about where that comes from. That's all my parents, for sure. We, um, they're, they're, they're the most giving people that we've, I mean, that I've honestly ever known. Um, they, my parents had a very interesting approach to, I guess, just life. Um, and that was, my dad would always say, never let making a living get in the way of having a life. So, funny story actually, he was, um, so he, t- he took an aptitude test in high school, which is basically just like, you know, what should you have a career in? Took the test, you should be an engineer. Went to NJIT, became a mechanical engineer, worked a couple jobs, um, and around when my brothers were very, very young, they're like five and seven years older than me, um, he had gotten a job offer to, uh, it was a new position where he was going to be on the road a lot. Uh, he was probably going to be making, I think like double what, what he had been making. I might be wrong with that, but it was a significant pay raise. But he was going to be on the road a lot. He was going to be away from the family. You know, two young kids at the time. I don't think, I wasn't in the picture yet. Um, and 
he was he was just racking his brain over it and he and my mom you know we're looking at the job offer they're sitting on the edge of their bed they're reading the bible they're looking at different uh, scriptures um and they're praying about it and ultimately he decided i would i'm not going to compromise making more money you know uh to not be around my family so he took that job offer just put it in this filing cabinet put it into his um put it into the closet and that was it bounced around to a couple more jobs fast forward like 15 years they're cleaning out that closet and they come across that box and he pulls it out and um he pulls out that job offer and he's like oh shit like look at this my mom's looking at it stuck to the back of it was a picture that he took on my brother Nick's first day of school first day of elementary school we lived right across from the elementary school so we would all walk to school so you know walked as a family up to school sending Nick off and he took a picture of Nick and my brother Chris just giving a huge hug and kiss to each other and as soon as they saw that they knew immediately we made the right move you wouldn't have been there for that you would have missed not just so many firsts but so many key moments in life um and they they knew right in that moment that it was the right move and they've just always had a a, a family first but also just a very altruistic mentality you know with caring for other people. I mean, we were we were caretakers for multiple people growing uh, up. Too. And I was going to say, you know, your your parents had through random circumstances ran into this older gentleman. Um, was it up near a place a vacation spot you guys went to? So that was up in Palisades Park where my grandpa lived, my dad's dad. And we would go to uh, I think it was every Friday we would go up to Pal Park. We would go to a diner with my grandpa, have dinner with him. We did it for years. And we were going to be moving my grandpa down to us in the villages, right behind Woolies in, uh, is that Farmingdale? Freehold. 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 And our last dinner, uh, we had a note dropped off to us by the waiter. And they said, this is from that man over there. Um, he just wanted me to give this to you. And inside it was, I think it was like a thousand bucks. And it was a note. And it basically said, you don't know me. I don't know you but I've been coming here every time that you've been here and I've basically lived, been living vicariously through you. Uh, hearing your stories, he was just sitting right at the, the counter, right at the bar where we had our table, you know, just a couple feet away. And um, we ended up talking to him, going back for, I think we went back for like another year or so. Come to find out, he, he, was, uh, he was an older gentleman who was, he was on dialysis. He was pretty much fully blind. Um, really had no family. He lived alone. And we really kind of took him in as, as just another part of our family. We ended up moving him down directly across the street from my grandpa in the villages of Freehold right after my grandpa passed. And we were cooking food for him. My mom was with him every day, taking him to doctor's appointments. He was coming to church with us. He was having dinner with us like throughout the week. He was just a huge part of our lives. Um, but he was brilliant. He was... Um, he started losing his vision through childhood. He was pretty much completely blind. Um, he graduated Ridgefield Park High School in like 1962 or something, valedictorian, brilliant, like savant level brilliance. Went on to MIT and studied computer science there and crushed it there. Now, I don't know if this gets out to the airwaves at all, but his name is Doug, Douglas B. Taylor. And he was one of the most brilliant people who 
we've ever met, and I don't think that we really understood yeah, what the he brilliance knew. of him at the time because he was so many levels above us. But he was also somebody who was dripping on us at the dinner table, like, dude, don't. He wasn't saying dude, but he was like, you don't, you don't need college. There's another world out there. You, you don't need this. And he was actually, he was, he was dripping on us to. I want to circle this whole path. conversation back. Yeah. Your father didn't go and take a job exactly. on the road to be with his family, and his kindness in his heart led him to people like this gentleman in your life telling you, you don't need college, you don't need to take the traditional route to business owners having freedom. You know, I know one of the things I'm proud of every single day is I, I see my kids and my wife all day long. I'm, you know, when it's nice out, I'm working in my backyard. Yeah. That's what I like. You know, I got my little fortress, you know, nice new cedar fence. Shout out to Classic Fence. Yeah. I got my pool, my bar, my fire pit. You know, this is my little oasis. And I'm able to watch my family grow up. This guy was telling your family, these people who are regular blue collar people, yeah. hey, there's a different way out there. And something in you, whether you knew it or not, obviously you do, was subconsciously being built, which yeah. is internalizing it. It's just like, but it's, it's also like the effects. cycle of life. Like, yeah. Good people helping this guy who probably... And if my dad took that job, maybe we weren't, we weren't there that Friday having dinner and we didn't get, we missed that last time with him. My uh -huh. grandpa was gone the next week. Maybe we missed that. Um, but that's instilled, well, that's instilled in you. That, that's, those stories were great because that's who you truly are as a person. It's how I've seen you operate with me, my family, everybody else that you work with. And uh, that's, that's a true testament to your parents, your family, your grandparents. Yeah. So it, it's, I'm, I'm happy you're in my world, and I know Trevor and everybody else feels the same. Um, I know we've been probably going for about an hour now. You and I could keep rifting about all different thought processes on, you know, this and that. I want you, before I hop into the traditional two questions we end with, I want you to give kind of a forecast, a projection, you know, put it all out there. Don't, don't be afraid to uh, say something that may be wrong of a forecast, but where do you see the social media platforms, social media marketing, you know, the video world going, you know, are we on the right track? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you're on the right track for sure if you're putting out content. Uh, I, I, I can't even predict where, where it's gonna go. That's the thing, it changes so fast. So it's just a matter of staying up with the times, but also not selling yourself to the machine of, like, you're not gonna be doing TikTok dances. So like, just keep it real. What, whatever TikTok. You, Whatever you're doing, just keep it real. Yeah, we're not even on TikTok. Yeah. Just keep it real. Tell your story. Be creative. Turn around and, and, and help other people. The most, you can do all the marketing in the world, but if you're not involved in your community, if you don't have good relationships, if you don't have good partnerships with people, ask any small business where the majority yeah, of their business comes from. Yeah, you're going to die eventually. Ask any business where the, major, where the majority of their uh, business comes from. It's from referrals. It's from the relationships. So... Marketing is great. The digital space is great. It's very important. It's a huge tool, obviously. It's just a way to syndicate your message. But it's um, highlighting the good stuff, the good people, community, everything that you know. Selfish plug the the, the pit embodies. Yeah. Um, you know, fireside embodies. You know, again, turning around and helping the next guy or girl online. Yeah. And you're all about that. I mean, throughout these years, a lot of people don't realize that this stuff is expensive. You know. Evan, and rightfully so, has helped legitimately. I don't, I don't know if you actually understand this. You have helped, let's just call it directly, directly working with them, have probably helped 50 business owners and, yeah. and real estate agents. I think that probably is a low number. 
Um, have you ever thought about how many millions of dollars in commission and revenues that have generated? No. It, it's, it's a lot, dude. Yeah, I'd want to get on a rev share. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should hit up EXP, I know some people. Yeah, well I'm out on Realtors for the most part except for the Realty and Philly Five Boroughs. Yeah, Reels is pretty good, but you know, there's a lot of things that people don't understand about the digital space and what you do understand. And all I could say is if you reach out to Evan, maybe you shouldn't, he's kind of busy. I want to be selfish, I want to take him. But if you could reach out to Evan or Blue Collar Creator in the future, um, it's going to be your business. I make a joke all the time. If you are operating right now on a beeper when cell phones have been out for five years, that's kind of like you working in this current environment and not utilizing social media and the skills um, that you have acquired. Yeah. It's it's crazy not to do it, and it's not going anywhere. I mean, if anybody follows the stock market, go look what tech did the last three months. It's just insane, um, you know, from where it was one year ago. Yeah. Um, and the metaverse is not stopping. Like I said, we just talked about threads. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, Elon knocks Zuckerberg out. Yeah, I mean, that'd be, Twitter. yeah, I think it'd be sweet. Maybe Trump jumps in. I don't know. But uh, this has been fun. Truth. I, I know I could pull a lot more out of you. Um, last two things we always ask, what was the first thing that would come to mind if you were to turn around and talk to a young entrepreneur? If you're young, if you're, if you're young, if you're just starting out, extend yourself to do things as close to free as you possibly can. Because it's not going to be free for long. If, if you can, it's the best cheat code that you have, especially when you're young, is if you're willing to identify somebody who's a couple years ahead of you, who you think that you can learn from, offer to do stuff for them for free. A couple projects, doesn't have to be like a full-time gig. But that's the easiest foot in the door versus just like applying. Prove your worth. They're going to appreciate it. And it's, it's just a fast track to getting into their world and all the opportunities that will reveal themselves are, are gonna be really life-changing. So be willing to do that. I did that early on and I, I still, like I'm still very much in the mindset of- Give first. Give first, just undercharge, over-deliver. You it's reminded like, me what I was gonna say, my ADD kicked in. Say this stuff is very expensive, but early on, you know, you were doing that exact thing for me. Like, hey, Ryan, I believe in where this is going, especially after the 10th episode. Yeah. And this could quickly cost me between all of the things you do for me, five to $8,000 a month, mm -hmm. you know, supply and demand. You know, there's not many guys who understand what you know. Yeah. They have an eye like you have. And I think the best part about you is that giving nature, you know, and, and, and sometimes I think you still probably give too much, but yeah. I don't think you'll change much. I, I try to think in terms of decades. So like something like Blue Collar Creator, you know, that I'm gonna launch, that's something that I, I feel will dwarf shapeshifters. 10% to the big guy. Of course. Oh. It's a tithe, so, it's a tithe. Big guy, big guy, yeah. big guy, bigger guy. Yeah. He's, listen, I prayed tonight in the urinal, I said, God. Give me 10% of Blue Just give collar. me 10%, you know, <laughs> I'm in. I'm gonna be like Prime, Dion. Yeah. Give all the credit to, to God. God did it, took off my foot, but God yeah. picked me to a lesson. For Dion's sure. the man. Anyway, no, we're, getting, we're getting sidetracked. Second question. Yeah. Well, really a, a statement or a comment that you want to make. Give a shout out to two or three business owners that either that we have worked with, you have worked with, and I know you work with a ton of them and it's hard to narrow it down to two or three, but yeah. you know, just some people that have impacted you or you like what they're about, what their business is about. 
obviously got to give a shout out to pretty much everybody in the pit. Um, Trevor's sitting right here. His trajectory's been awesome. I mean, happy birthday. It was his birthday yesterday, but he and I have just become super tight. His trajectory, his story is just awesome. Mm. He's way more than a realtor. His visions are set very, very far out, but he's exactly kind of what I've been talking about of just having that that grounded mentality, but that ambition to provide more. Um, shout out to Trevor. Shout out to Ed, just everybody in the, in the pit. Phil Rizzo, you know, I, there's 80 people in the pit. Shout out to just the pit in general. If you're mm-hmm. not in there, that's just, it's, a, it's an elite group of business owners who are turning around and helping each other in a way that really hasn't been done before. I mean, a lot of people in, in our group are a part of a lot of other groups and they're not getting a, a, a fraction of the value that, that we're given in there just through having genuine connections with each other. And, you know, you, you can look at the YouTube views that maybe we do and they're not huge, but make no mistake about it. There's so many powerful things going on. I mean, multiple seven figures. In, in well, Rob said that when he came to the men's retreat in the, uh, the event, he was like, all the, his exact words, I don't know if I can say on camera, he said, why are these people sucking your dick? I think it was something along the lines like that. Uh-huh. And uh, what he quickly identified, whether, you know, and that's what people need to understand, whether you have 40 people who are in your crew or 80 people in your crew or 10 people in your crew or 1,500 followers on Instagram or 500,000 followers on Instagram, if those people are down for the cause and you're all on the same page, it's, you, it, it's, it's literally unstoppable. Like I think the coaching groups are, you know, they're corny. Like I'm not somebody who's a part of things that are like, put me on stage, speak to you. Like uh, the other events I plan to do and, and we all plan to do, I'm going to do breakout sessions. You know, it's not because I'm intimidated to be on the stage and tell you what I'm about. I actually feel awkward because I don't think anybody should be talking, you know, you know, from the pulpit, yeah, even, the, even the Pope, you know, you know, yeah. what that guy do, you know, I won't go there. <laughs> we can get into it. We, no, we should probably leave that for later. Episode 100. Yeah. We can invite the Vatican. You think they'd come? Probably. Oh, probably hanging out with Biden. So, obviously, you want to give a shout-out to the pit. Anybody else? Uh, Dalen's detailing. Dalen Wellstead. Um, he's, he's, I mean, he's a member of the pit, too, but he's, he and I went to high school together. He wrestled. Um, just a salt-of-the-earth guy. Uh, we kind of, like, lost touch a little bit, but um, he's, he's got a, a mobile detailing shop. Seeger, and I want to say either Tom's, Tom's River yeah, or he's Island. He's got a nice, like, nice looking garage. I've, I've chatted with him via yeah, dude, DM. The cars that he does are, are sick. Yeah, Tom he, Mullen, a couple other guys have been in there. Tom has? Yeah. Yeah. But Tell they. He's um, over there. Nice. They, um, he, he's, just a, he's just good people. He's just a, a great, great kid. And there's not many people who have gone down the path of entrepreneurship who I graduated with. There's one person who I could look to and just admire at what he's built. It's for sure, Dalen. He'll, he'll come on for sure. We'll, yeah. we'll get him on. We'll get him. And then uh, Complete Power Washing. It's uh, my brother Nick. It's his, it's his best friend, Adam. Uh, veteran owned out in, um, big in like the, in the Ocean County area. Shout out to the veterans. Shout out to the vets. Um, so just shout out to Adam, what he's building there. Um, yeah, shout out to America. Where do you think this is all taking us? That's wherever we want to go, you know? I mean, it, it, cha- it changes every every quarter. There's new opportunities coming up. Um, I think the opportunities... Create your own luck. Yeah, yeah, we could do whatever we want. And uh, that's what's super cool. 
I was swimming in the pool with my wife late night last night, and I don't know what we were talking about, but I said, fuck everybody. Like, just do what we want to do. Yeah. If I want a fucking cabin, I'm going to do it. If I want to give away $100 because I have it 50 years from now, I'll do it. And uh, I'll probably put a billboard up saying that I did it because a lot of people said that I couldn't do what I did. We couldn't build the pit. We couldn't do Fireside. And uh, I do take that personally. Um, and you've been a steady hand in all that. You've had my back. And uh, we're just getting fucking started. And uh, I'm excited about where this is going. And really, you can do whatever you desire in the future, man. I mean, it's the world is yours. Your, yeah. your talent, your heart is, is unmatched uh, around a lot of people that we know. And uh, I'm proud to call you a friend. And I appreciate you being here. It's a good spot to be in for everybody. Absolutely. Cheers. Right on. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to learn more about it, check out the links below.